Hello and welcome back to Control Alt Delete. This is episode 27 and today's guest is Roz Jana. So Roz runs a blog called Clothes, Cameras and Coffee and she started it in 2009 as an outlet to express her writing and style. She talks about literature, body image, fashion and photography and she recently graduated um, from Oxford University and released her debut book Notes on Being Teenage in June. So it came out really recently and I loved reading it and we talk about the book on the podcast. Her work has been featured in publications like The Observer, Evening Standard, Sunday Time Style, Teen Tatler, Grazia, Teen Vogue and she won the Vogue Talent Contest for Young Writers in 2011 and as part of that prize she got to work at Vogue for a month as a paid features intern. In 2013, Roz was announced as one of the Hospital Club 100 as one of the most innovative creatives working today in the publishing and writing category. So there's so much to talk about with Roz and I really loved chatting to her. We spoke about books, the fact that our books had just come out, the fact that Roz has a poetry book also coming out, which is really exciting. And just in general, lots about body image, the fashion industry, and just being a creative online in 2016 and what that means. So hope you enjoy this episode and here it is. So very excited today to have my friend, Roz, Rosalind, who is very impressive, but also the nicest person in the world. I think I started following you or you started following me on Twitter maybe like two or three years ago. I think you were 19. Yeah, I think I was around 19 and actually I just remember reading your blog and going, oh, she's really cool and I love what she writes and ah, she seems great. So. And, I, and I clicked on her profile and I was like, oh my God, because I think even at that point you were, you'd written for the Vogue contest? Yes, I had because I won that at 16. Oh my God, yeah. And then the, and then the um, junior editor role at Violet Magazine. Yeah. Um, when did that come about? Um, So that also happened, I think, at the tail end of sixth form. So I was already busy juggling quite a lot of different roles by by that point uh, and writing, writing lots for lots of other places too. Yeah, amazing. And then you were also at Oxford. Yeah, that and then that happens. And then yeah. that happens. <laughs> and then the book. So we have a lot we have a lot to discuss, so I feel like I need to put this in order. Um so I guess the first question would be, it all did start quite young, mm. um, having had the attention of the Vogue um talent contest and, and all of that stuff. How did you feel at that point in your life? Were you kind of like, let's dive in or or let's slow down because I'm quite young? Um, I think for me, because it actually kind of goes back a little bit further than the Vogue Talent Contest, there was very much a sense of diving in because for me, writing and blogging and being creative were ways of escaping from secondary school and Mm. then from sixth form and kind of building a community of my own. So winning the Vogue Talent Contest was kind of this moment of going, no, you're on the right track, you're doing the right thing, carry on with it. Although having said that, then when I first met my uh, agent for my book, which then came about about two years later, I actually initially emailed her to say, hi, think I'm going to do university first and then can we chat? And she just went, no, let's go for coffee. And that's the best coffee I ever went for. Oh my God, tell me more. So in this very strange twist of events, just before I got to university, um, Wayland, the brilliant imprint of Hachette who have published my book, got in contact with me to say, you know, we like your voice, we like your blog, we've got a gap in the market, would you be, you know, would you send us any ideas? We'd be, we'd be willing to see them. And 
I'd probably emailed this literary agent about three weeks before that came in to kind of go, nope, slowing down, yeah. gonna focus on my studies. This came in and that totally then changed everything that came after that point. So by the time I met with her, probably two weeks after that point, I could kind of sit down and go, um, by the way, I think I might have a book deal on my hands. Amazing. How do you juggle that? I know that's, I ask people that because I don't know how I juggle things sometimes and I wonder um, from the outside looking in, doing a university degree and writing a book, they're both quite huge things. They are. I mean, the, the jokey answer I tend to give is that I'm single, uh, but that, no, I think, I think more than that, it's actually just that I don't really, I don't watch TV very much. Um, I do actually socialise and spend a lot of time not working. I'm just very focused when I do work and I'm good at sitting down and going, this is in front of me, this is the task and kind of compartmentalising my day. Yeah. So, for example, during the second year of university, when I was editing my book, I um, would like write my essays during the day, and then I would go to my favourite cafe in the evening mm. and sit there until about 11pm on my laptop, just kind of yeah. going through edit step by step. I love that. I think it's so nice to see something that's just possible. It's kind of, it is possible to make that time for yourself, and yeah, it's just absolutely. kind of how you do it. But what what would you say um, is your motivation in, in, in every area of your creativity? because it does take motivation to want to go and sit in the cafe till 11pm I'm the same, like I do things because I love doing it but is that enough do you think sometimes? I think it's so many things wrapped up in one and I've actually spent quite a lot of time thinking about this since I finished university and I've been going what do I do next and I think possibly the impetus behind kind of everything I do whether that's writing this book or poetry or um, I guess my degree to a certain extent it's it's about telling stories And for me, it's about using words as a way to, I guess, maybe work out the world and think about Mm. the world. And also, I just really like getting a sentence right. There's definitely just a part of me that goes, when the rhythm of something is perfect, you know, that's something I will willingly work on for ages and ages. Yeah. Well, that kind of, I guess, feeds into the poetry book that you've just done. Yes. (laughs) So, um, do what is it about poetry that you love, and have you always been into that? Yeah, I have. And um, kind of full disclosure, my dad actually started out as a performance poet. Um, Love that. And I grew up in a house full of books and words, so it's really not surprising. But, I mean, I've been writing poetry since I was 14 or 15, and it's always just been a background thing. It's not been something I've shared widely. It's just been a really great way of distilling down a particular moment or a thought and just wrangling with words because I think words are so exciting and that's the great thing about poetry it's about how you weight everything it's about how each word kind of sits in this jigsaw puzzle with everything else around it do you feel like there's um a new sort of uh do do you feel like poetry is having a bit of a modern rebrand in a way because I see a lot of like spoken word poetry I know it's been around for ages but it, it seems like the internet is helping people being discovered. Um, something was being shared on Facebook yesterday about Brexit. Mm. Um, it was like a very cool um, London girl, and she it was like a rap slash poem. Oh, but, but and I'll, I'll send it to you. It was mm. amazing. But mm. it was it's a different form of um, it, I don't know, getting your point across. I'm more likely to watch that video than maybe read an article. Yeah. On I don't know the Financial Times. I don't know. But do you think has that helped you? Has social media played a role in you? kind of getting a bit more discovered in that way interestingly it's kind of because I actually totally agree with you and I think it's wonderful because I think also it means that people like Kate Tempest are really kind of easily found and easily watched I mean I often like get ready for a night out listening to her album because it's so good 
but actually for me it's one of the few things I've done that hasn't necessarily come about through social media mm. I mean so it's been quite traditional it's kind been of really it's traditional been, it, and, and I love that um you're having sort of a limited edition mm. amount of copies and mm. it's, it's almost um the opposite yeah, and interestingly, so the brilliant the brilliant people behind the um, the poetry press, Greta and Robert, one of the reasons that they set up the press was to actually provide another forum for poetry, you know, to celebrate spoken word, but also acknowledge that the printage page is also, mm. like, an important thing. And I know Greta through a number of different people who basically said, oh, you two would get on. So I guess there's an element of social media in that some of them were people I knew through the internet, but... It wasn't me actually putting my poetry out into the world and it gaining success that way. Although I think it's wonderful that so many people are having those kind of opportunities. Yeah, and how amazing that um, you get to do lots of different things because I guess um, what I think is amazing about you is is you do dip into different things and you know you have your blog which has its very unique voice. Mm-hmm. You've obviously just written notes on being teenage, which is YA books for teens. Yeah. That's so different from a poetry book. How do you... Do you kind of think, I don't need to have one vibe? Because I think some people would be, okay, this is my brand, whatever it is. Whereas I think what's lovely about you is you have lots of different things on the go. Yeah, completely. Because I think that's the exciting thing about writing too, is that some people, I guess, have their one form or their one voice or their one vision that they are so in tune with that that is always what they're going to be working on. And I know people like that and I admire them so much. But there's actually an analogy that someone gave me a while ago, which is called the hedgehog and the fox, which is the idea that a hedgehog as a creator is someone who kind of curls up into a ball and that's the one thing that Mm. they do. They nurture their one kind of vision. And the fox is always darting around between like loads of different projects. And I'm absolutely a fox. Oh my God, I'm such a fox. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about you too, is that, you know, with your podcast and your blog and the fact that you write for other places and also your book, I think it's a really exciting time to actually go how can I diversify my voice? Um, what's the best medium for this? Maybe it's a poem, maybe mm. it's a blog post. I don't need to feel limited by you know any one of them. Yeah, I think that's so exciting. I love that it starts with the idea and then the medium comes second because at the moment I was like thinking of this idea that I've got and I don't think it's a book at the moment. I think it's like a TV show. Oh, great. But then how cool to be to kind of take that form. Yes, completely. But with your book, it is so much kind of, a, I guess, a it's it's a guide in a way, but I found yeah. it obviously not at, in any way telling me what to do or, you know, it's very sort of sisterly and friendly and just very much helpful. How, um, obviously it's your first book and I know what that feels like when you're, you're we're learning still. And but what did you learn from it? About yourself, about your style? Oh my gosh, so <laughs> much. Um, I think, I mean, the biggest thing that I learned is just that it's, like, really hard to write a book. And takes a long time. It takes a really (laughs) long time. And also that it's a collaboration. I think we have this idea that a writer is someone who, you know, still sits in their garret or in their tower writing and Mm. sends it out into the world. And actually it's not. It's a back and forth process with your publishers, with your editors about what goes in, what goes out, what they want, what you want. And it's about finding a kind of bridge between all of those mm. things but ultimately I think what I what I came out of it with and that I feel so lucky to have is that I now know how to structure a book cohesively and I would have the confidence to do that again and I feel like I've 
kind of built up this toolkit of ways of writing that I can then take on elsewhere. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I know what you mean because I think um, we forget that books are a business. Yes. And as much as you are so passionate about the book and it's your baby and you made it, um, the marketing side of things and all that is very interesting. Um, have you enjoyed doing the promo around it? And I actually have. I yeah. Mean, I think... Because I guess the audience as well is... Um, is a lovely demographic <laughs> really lovely demographic and I'm sure you get this too I think if you're if your writing voice is partly born out of the internet you're very used to spending quite a lot of time promoting yourself yeah. anyway I mean it comes naturally because you go great I already have an Instagram and a Twitter and I have forged lots of great connections exactly. in that way and so not that you love everything you do but I actually quite thrive on it because also for me it was a chance to kind of go back to the book to think about everything I'd written about in it, about mental health, about having had spinal surgery when Mm -hmm. I was 15, about female friendships, and to go, ooh, what else do I want to say about this beyond the confines of the book? Yeah. What else do I want to write about? How can I build on it? What do I want to celebrate? What do I want to argue on the behalf of? Um, And also it's just fun going to events and meeting great people. That's so true, because I feel the same when you write a book and it is obviously set in stone and it is a thing, Mm. but at the same time we're not in the stone age where you can't elaborate and it's just like, that's the book. I feel that if I miss something out, I could just write a blog post or write an article or, you know, things can be an extension of. Um, My favourite bits of your book, I would say, although I loved it all, was um, the stuff that you wrote about body image. Um, because obviously you are a model as well Mm. but you're also very relatable in the sense of you know you you are happy to say that you're not perfect and you have had your own body hang-ups and I don't know I got a bit emotional about that I think it's because you're my friend I was like you know we all have our own issues at the same time we should all be happy with what we've got so it was like empowering but also really real Good. That was exactly yeah. what I was aiming for. It was for. just my experience with modelling has not necessarily been a standard experience mm. with modelling. And for me, the most interesting part of it was being told at fourteen that I was incredibly beautiful, um, and that an adult fashion industry loved the way that I looked. And going from that to then having a very abnormal, what what might be considered abnormal as a body, through to something that. I am now very comfortable with it, mm, yeah. but it took me a long time to reconcile myself to, meant that, yes, I still I still model um, uh, in a kind of limited capacity, and I still love it as a career, but I'm quite wary about the particular messages that mm. we send out about beauty, and I think for me, being real about how I feel, and how I feel about the industry, and how I feel about myself is kind of a way of dealing with that yeah and what a wonderful thing to be able to talk about openly because I'm sure there's lots of girls who don't really know what goes on behind the scenes so for you to be a voice of you know I love the industry and you and you love fashion and it's it's, and 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 it's such an empowering book in that way yes oh it's like it's like anything it's like any industry it's like any form of culture it's not black and white it's not good and bad and I think the fashion industry particularly gets an incredibly uh, bad rep from the outside. People go, oh, it's all awful. You know, if you like clothes, then you're really vapid. It's so much more complex than that. You can adore the process of getting dressed every day and feeling glamorous and knowing that you look good. Whilst also going, hmm, okay, let's talk about the ethics of yeah. this. Let's talk about beauty ideals. And in fact, that means you're really invested in it because you know it as yeah. an industry. God, that's so interesting. I think you're one of the few people writing about that topic 
actually. I know there's lots of there's lots of people out there that talk about beauty and um, and kind of the fact that you can be into makeup and still have a brain and it's like yes we that's obvious um but sadly we still have to kind of reiterate it but i feel that with fashion um and i did struggle with this i was like well i'm a writer and i like books so i don't care what i look like because it's not about what i look like it's about what i'm it's about my brain but then why would i want to turn my back on wanting to look nice yeah. It's not black and white, like you say. And also, you know, if you don't want people to care about how you look like, that's also totally fine. That's a valid choice. But I think if you do, and if you go, this is something that makes my day more pleasurable, or it gives me an armour or a way to go out into the world feeling great about myself, then that's only something to be to be celebrated. Absolutely. I, I love clothes. I love expressing myself, because that's all it is. Yeah. And I love your Instagram and your blog for that reason, because... I know that you, whatever you wear, you have chosen to wear that kind of on a deeper level, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this represents me, who I am. Yes, and it's and for me, I think that's very deeply ingrained because actually, in a kind of nice tie-up with the book, that was something that I started doing when I was 14, mm. when I was living in a tiny village on the kind of Welsh border and realised that it was a way of setting myself apart even though I was still quite desperate to fit in at school the clothes that I wore after school and on the weekends were my way of forging a very specific identity that you know involved like my grandma's silk blouses and incredible big vintage dresses I just love it I love dressing up basically yeah I love going who who am I today who do I want to be today yeah oh I love that but then growing up in a small town did you ever feel slightly alienated because I think you've you find your people sometimes later on in life. I mean, I know I did. Mm. And I felt a bit like, am I the only one that's into this? And then, you know, you get on Twitter and realise that a lot of people are like you. And it's lovely. Did you ever feel that way? Utterly. Um, totally and utterly. I don't think I would have started a blog otherwise. For me, my blog was a way of going, I don't feel like I fit in with the people around me or the school that I'm in. Mm. I'm not interested in the conversations that they're having. I am desperate to be accepted by those people because when you're a teenager you can you know you're feeling so many things at once as much as you might want to be outside of the system you also want Mm. that system to value you yeah you want to feel validated by what socially yeah so basically at secondary school you know you want to fit in you absolutely want to be valued you want to be validated whilst also going this is not right for me you know I used to come home from school and I used to cry because I hated it so much really was it quite a small school or it was it was I mean there were probably about 600 of us in the entire school but it you know it's a very rural area there were quite a few people there for whom education was something they had to do um, and they weren't planning to continue it and it wasn't really a place where a love of learning and a love of reading and being curious were like necessarily things that were celebrated mm. you know the kind of place where oh why are you reading that book um, so I didn't in any way fit in it wasn't it wasn't my home so clothes were kind of I guess a bit of a fuck you in a certain way to go I'm going to wear what I want I'm going to blog what I want you know the fact that this school is so lax that I get like I get no homework means I have plenty of time to be creative and actually just find carve out a space where I can do my own thing Mm. 
Oh my god, I absolutely love that. But it does sound as well that you were you were surrounded by creative people, maybe at home as well. Definitely at home. Uh, I feel. I mean, I love my family to bits. I think they are. They sound so cool. They are so cool. They're an amazing bunch. We're a tiny family. You know, I have no aunts or uncles. We're a we're a very close knit unit. But yeah, both of my parents uh, have worked as writers, um, as playwrights, as poets, <sighs> and it was. It was a great house to grow up in in that way in two respects. I think one, because it was it was absolutely a place that nurtured my love of, of learning and making and doing, but also because I saw two adults who were treating the creative industry as something very pragmatic too. You know, you do some things for love, you do some things because you need to pay a bill. And that's so helpful to see. Oh my God, it's so true. And also to have people, role models, or you know, just people saying it's okay to t- do a creative career sometimes when I'm doing like my writing workshops or things like that where people come up to me at the end and say I'd love to be a writer or I'd love to do that or I'd love to be a creative person but um my family won't let me or it's along the lines of they would be really disappointed in me and I find that really sad because I I think that's still true that if you're not doing the like proper job inverted commas Mm. um it's almost not valid Yeah, I think, I mean, bizarrely for me, I had this kind of weird opposite experience that I... I didn't really think about the fact that people went out to work in offices. It was just, I always took it as a given that the way that you worked was at home and that you made your own hours and you worked really bloody hard, but you also had time to do other things. Yeah. And I do find it devastating that there are lots of people for whom work yeah is assumed to be something that takes place uh during specific hours in a specific place and for some people that's fantastic that works really well for them but it's like any area of life there are so many different approaches yeah and i feel like we should be teaching that younger younger down the line because you obviously grew up thinking it was a possibility and um i think i did as well but i was i didn't know if it was actually possible but i think it's more possible now now that the internet has kind of there's more jobs Mm. to do with being online and you don't need to go to an office and you can just like skype i don't know yeah i think it's really thrilling i also think it's really difficult i think that you know the fact that writers are getting paid less than and there's so many more voices yeah and so many more voices when most of them are great voices and actually a lot of them are voices we really need because the internet has opened up a bigger platform for people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives and we really need that but I think it's this strange time of optimism and also perhaps like kind of curiosity or kind of nervousness but actually on that point about about growing up and being given a or seeing a particular life path I used to get really pissed off with those careers kind of things that you mm, had to fill out because they never had an option for freelance that's so annoying so, I know they said that I should be a town planner <laughs> That's amazing. Literally. Oh my god. What? Imagine if you were. <laughs> I would that would be really bad towns. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they'd be great towns for the people being creative. There's but 72 libraries <laughs> per square meter. I love the idea of you as a town planner. Striding into the town hall with a fabulous hat. <laughs> oh god, but yeah, that's what I mean. Like that, that what is that about multiple choice when you're a town planner or a vet? Yeah, and it's so formulaic and it basically assumes that there is a specific way that you get into the world of work and the options beyond that are still a little bit like strange or a little bit odd. And you know, they're not easy. It's not it's not necessarily an easy decision to make to say I'm going to fund myself and mm. I'm going to choose my own hours and you know, it takes an awful lot of graft, but 
ultimately yeah. to me it's really worth it yeah and about the voices um thing because you mm. you um bring in voices in your book i do um yes. which is cool was that um a decision from the beginning that you wanted to sort of um mix it up a bit because it just is so lovely it's almost like you're just kind of inviting someone in to pop in for a cup of tea in your book <laughs> and give some advice and then leave again yeah it was actually i mean it was part of the initial proposal to me it was so significant for the for the mainly for the reason that I think that books that are written for teenagers, particularly ones that are autobiographical, can fall into the trap of taking their one experience and universalising it Mm -hmm. and saying, I did this, you know, you can too. And I know that there's a bit of that in this, but to me, straight from the off, I went, this can't just be about me. This can't just be about my, you know, relatively limited, pretty privileged, uh, singular perspective from the place where I grew up. Mm -hmm. It has to encompass all sorts of narratives and stories and you know people talking about things that I just don't have the authority to comment on in the same yeah. way because I haven't experienced them. I love that. It just made the book so so varied and exciting and uh, that's one thing I was really I really liked and th- but the, also the fact that you've made those connections is very inspiring as well because yeah. you know you know the people the bu- in the book that you've asked advice like Louise O'Neill yes who has just oh, been on the podcast Louise is so fantastic oh, we love you Louise yeah we love you <laughs> but that was really lovely as well because it wasn't just like a random voice yes um, you, you know you could tell that they were someone that you've n- nurtured a relationship with as well so that's really cool yeah and it was actually it was a really great mix in that respect because there were people like uh, Louise who gave just fantastic responses or like Juno Dawson as well mm. who has kind of sent me through these answers and I was just sitting there going you're amazing you're so great but you know also then balancing that up with you know teenagers who I just got to sit down with and yeah. like, have a coffee with and go tell me about your life mm. you know that was that was a privilege in and of itself too to just go let's spend half an hour unraveling how you feel about school or yeah. your family you must have got something out of that as well I think I got so much out of that I mean you know it's it's helpful just in terms of learning how to interview someone mm. but also to be entrusted with so many people's stories is is a gift yeah absolutely so how do you feel when sometimes you think, oh my God, I've done a lot of things that were on my list and mm-hmm. I've now ticked them off the list because sometimes success can be really scary and quite, I don't know, I'm talking about myself here, but yeah. it's almost when you get to a level of I've done that thing, sometimes I get a bit scared about what's next. You do it amazingly that you move on to new things, but how does that feel? It feels good. I think it feels stable. I mean... Maybe this sounds weird to say, but I don't necessarily think of myself as being a hugely successful person. Um, I know, she just raised her eyebrows at me. <laughs> what I mean like that is that it's not me being um, kind of self-deprecating. What I mean is that I feel like I have had a lot of success so far that I am incredibly grateful for and that I have worked really hard for. Um, and yes, to be graduating university with a book out and a poetry book coming out later this year is so kind of beyond words exciting but I don't know for me I'm always just very much in the day of going okay what now what Mm -hmm. next what am I looking up to next you know I'm at this nice kind of solid level what am I thinking about where do I want to go and for me it's actually just trying to find enough hours in the day to try and like scrabble you know I don't know like scrabble and scribble and go I want to write this article and oh I've got this idea that I want to expand on so for me, I kind of feel like this is the, the platform point where I then get to jump and yes. see what else is out there. So for me, it's actually a really 
yeah, like a really great time. It just feels like quite a like, sparkly time of opportunity. Absolutely. But that's what I love about you. And that's what I think one of the messages would be amazing to have on this podcast is, um, is that you just have to make things. Yeah. And it's almost very Liz Gilbert vibes, I suppose, because yeah. that's what I always kind of think at the back of my mind. It, it's more, what can I make next? And that's not the end point. That's the beginning point. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie, I can imagine you, like, wrote, writing poetry when you're, like, 90. Oh, God, I hope so. God, I <laughs> In a long so. silk robe. Absolutely. <laughs> Only and exclusively in a long silk robe. Yeah. But I love that. I think it's so true about, about the beginning of things. It's about going, OK, I've done that. Where do I want to take myself next that will satisfy me? I mean, like, I was up till 2am last night writing something new that's fictional that oh I'm working on. And to me, that's going, oh, this is another form, you know. Oh, how do I work out this? You know, what do I do there? And I I just love that. I just I love, love going, that. there's so much left in the world to create and make and do. Yeah. There's so much, like, to be curious about. Yeah, and so many stories to tell. So yeah. many stories that, you know, that haven't been told or that, you know, could be told in other ways. Yeah. Well, I hope you listening to this podcast are getting some of the Roz sparkles <laughs> and just, I think it's quite infectious actually being your friend because it's really nice to constantly be excited about just making things, creating things. Good. I'm so glad. thank you so much. My absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. If you like this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me at girllostincity on Twitter. I'd love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week. Bye.